0: I feel my kingdom, the kingdom of Scotland is keeping me strong. You see, it's giving me strength to see a family so true, to feel the love of my kingdom in my heart. Hi everybody and welcome to the Purpuri podcast January the 4th special. Um, We are coming to your ears at the time of recording uh, less than a week out from the show. So very, very pumped by our standards and will of course be um, released even pompter. I am uh, George Stato Thompson. With me I have David Forrest and as a special guest uh, at Oysters Earrings on Twitter, our good friend Mr Luke Healy. How are you doing Luke?
1: Hi good thank you uh very nice to be here considering uh all the times we've met to watch the January 4th show at, um at your house
0: uh, yes uh, yes uh, last year um uh, and yeah uh, we obviously
1: didn't get to do that this year but uh but yeah we're gathered here now so
0: we, we, are, we are yeah we are we, we're, we're all with each other in spirit uh watching the uh watching the wrestling unfold um so yeah sadly as Luke has alluded to there's been uh been a bit of a bug going around that you might have heard of, so we uh, weren't able to uh, recreate the magic of uh, last year by getting up very, very early in the morning to watch these shows and um, being so delirious with sleep that one of us found out that Derek Acora had died, and we just thought it was the funniest thing we've ever heard. And, uh, and really... to be fair, it was. It was, <laughs> funny because you see, Derek Acora investigated Ghost, and now he himself is a ghost
2: how the tables have turned and not just because a producer has turned it round and pretended he was a ghost.
0: <laughs> Hoist by your own Patard, Mr. Acora. So, uh, that's, you can that never escape
2: fun. this spirit world.
0: <laughs> Derek Acora has been sent to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, we couldn't do any of that this year, but we um, uh, we will do reviews, so we've uh, decided to uh, do that this year. So, uh, I, I guess let's just... Uh, yeah, get down to brass tacks. So, uh, January the fourth, I guess we'll start with the Stardom of offer match, although it was not for the TV cameras. We did manage to get some exclusive inside fan cam access. And yeah, um, well,
2: I, I just I just wanted to mention just so people, if they want to know how to watch it, you can actually watch it in Stardom World. There is there is a hidden option you need to look about, but it, when you see it as painfully, obvious, there is an option for it if you go on there, but legally they're not allowed to, it's like streams of the football in the pub, legally they're not allowed to advertise it, but they're allowed to show it, so yeah, there is there is some digging to be done, you can find it on there and I would definitely recommend you know, it's, uh, it's an hour side, to your life
1: Try It's in it. the same time where they used to put the uh, pyjama party videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: and, the, and the And the video. training the gym training exercise videos and stuff, yeah
0: yeah, if if you go to Stardom World and press L one R one L two R two square <laughs> circle triangle X start, then you should be able to uh, to get access to the. Uh, I I I thought it was a really good match. Um, surprised that uh, Julia chose that occasion, uh, considering it was a dark match, to uh, break out the six thirty splash for the first time. Um, but uh, I mean, fair play to her for doing that.
2: I, flawless execution. I mean, after the syringe spot, I didn't think that this match could get any better or anything like that. And the the flaming table bump. But he just kept going and going. But yeah, Julia for no,
0: six thirty, unbelievable. I knew Tam Nakano was hardcore, but that is taking the piss.
1: <laughs> I thought the running from uh, Yuzuki Ikoa was a bit misjudged, considering you know I would have thought they'd be saving her for the Budokan show, but you know.
0: Well, I actually um, heard from uh, on the grapevine from uh, our good friend uh, Japanese uh, Joshi expert, Harry Wrestling Fan, that uh, that was actually <laughs> an, uh, an unplanned shoot run-in. Um, along the lines of, um, you know, the rumour about uh, the Iron Shake being uh, paid off to do a shoot running on the uh, main event of WrestleMania 3. So I think I think the uh, the ego trip of being Stardom's uh, first ever ace uh, kind of went to her head and she just assumed that it was uh, she was still the top dog in the yard. But I apart- seem to remember yeah. the
2: commentator saying that they've ripped up the format sheet and Goldberg is going off script. <laughs> and-
0: Thank, thank God, Tam Nakano took the pin. She's a professional. <laughs> All right, for, for 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 fuck's sake, lads! Like we we um um like right no right no more bits. I'm uh, I'm I'm making a making a decree right now. Let's just do the January 4th review, like entirely sensibly from this point onwards. Just because like pe- people have uh, people have clicked on the link, they want to get our thoughts on the show. So uh, okay, let's I'm, I'm drawing drawing a line under this uh, uh, rank tomfoolery. And, the sensibles uh, are back in power the sensibles are back in power hashtag forensic um and uh, so okay let's start with another dark match the uh new japan rambo i like that it is actually listed as such on uh on cage match and on wikipedia now uh that's really good so um right uh, deep breath here uh, this match included Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, Chase Owens, Toriyano, Duki, Gabriel Kidd, Haruki Goto, Hirooshi Tenzan, Minoru Suzuki, Rocky Romero, Sho, Tiger Mask 4, Toa Hanare, Togi Makabe, Toraki Homa, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, Yota Tsuji, Yuji Nagata, Yujiro Takahashi, and Yuji Uemura. And uh, a partridge, and <laughs> a <pear tree. laughs> So um, that, that's um, quite a lot of uh, uh, names. D- Duki is my uh, favorite wrestler named after a seminal 90s pop punk album. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, okay, so, I, look, look, I'm a sucker for a New Japan Rambo. Get the wacky, uh, surprise appearances. Uh, sadly, Yoshi, Yoshiaki Fujiwara is in the age bracket where he has to shield at the moment, so he wasn't able to make his, uh, usual appearance. Ditto the Great Kabuki. Um, no surprise entrance, uh, in this whatsoever. Um, actually, which, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, you know what? Yeah, you know I'm a sucker for a Rambo. <laughs> kind of fucking dog shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, nobody nobody comes out of the ramble ever going, the work rate in this match was incredible. The storytelling was just off the charts, six and a half, star, but even for us, as much as I'd love to see the great Kabuki Margaret Keenan coming out, you know, freshly vaccinated to make a run-in, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I quite liked it. The only thing that I remember, really, um, before the, the end was Minoru Suzuki and Tomaru Hiroishi, battered fuck out of each other. Chase Owens get a bit lonely. He went up to him and goes, excuse me, I'm in this match as well, and they both just clattered absolute fuck out of him, then went yeah. back to beating each other up. It's that, the that only thing again. I remember. Until Iron Man Toriano came in and fought off everyone with his 25 minute entrance to ensure that he got to the ring just in time for everyone else to be eliminated <laughs> and secured his qualification. He absolutely nations leagued it. He's going to the Euros tomorrow to defend the king of pro wrestling is here to defend his throne and he will not be stopped
0: I, i'm not saying the the effort was uh, low from some of the participants <laughs> in this match I, I mean i am saying that because uh, um i mean certainly i remember uh Yoshihashi and uh haruki goto just competing in a t-shirt like a uh, rick flair on the final episode of nitro like Uh, It was it was mildly diverting when the old lads were in this at the start, just uh, forearming each other. And then like a lot of chaff came in with the best will in the world. That is kind of what you can term it. I mean, it was it was engaging in the sense that and this I think is one of uh, the late Pat Patterson's uh, great genius calls in that a succession of blokes turning up is in itself quite entertaining just because, I mean, if you, if you haven't watched much of this company uh, recently, as I haven't, then uh, you're just like, oh, uh, Tiger Mask 4, I've not seen him wrestle for a while. Or like, um, you know, Rocky Romero exists and it's not just a manager slash rapper. So um, it was good in that sense. O- otherwise, otherwise they're quite bad. I have a note. Um,
1: it's the first note I wrote on this uh, and it says Rambo. Not a minute in and they are literally already doing finisher reversal spots. (laughs) like the first sequence that Ishii and Chase Owens did was one of those god awful like uh, it was a package. It was a backslide into package pile driver into vertical suplex transition. In, within like a minute of the Rambo kicking off, I, I, I was going, off. going
0: to ask you how you know what Chase Owens' is finisher is if he never fucking wins any matches.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I was taking a punt there, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that did not set this match up well. And then I kind of thought it was dog shit for the rest of it. <laughs> um, Toriano came in, and it made the whole thing into it, it gave the whole thing sort of the feeling of like a big long experimental joke. Like the entire match was just this really sort of laborious, Stuart Lee-esque setup. Yes. To like a really throwaway punchline, which is that Yano wins it by not even getting in the ring. Um, oh, yeah, so like it's, it's, saw...
0: it's exactly like um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I saw him do this live, actually, the bit where he tells this story about uh, being at Oxford and booking bands for an Old Etonian event that David Cameron ran. And then just getting the blow off from him, and like he tells this story for about half an hour, and says, "Now that story about David Cameron is not true, but I feel what it tells us about David Cameron, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is literally, yeah, it kind of, if uh, it would have had absolutely nothing to recommend it, if Yano hadn't turned up and pushed it somewhat into the realms of the avant-garde." But uh, I, I, the other thing was, you didn't even have a winner because this was a uh, qualification uh, match for a a uh, thing on January fifth. So, like, you you didn't even have the, the closure and catharsis of, like, a victor being being declared. Like, Toriano is, is literally, like, he squeaked into the Champions League qualifying spots on the last day of the season. Like, he's been in and around fourth place all year.
2: George, you might, you might deride this. I, I dare you to go to a fan of North Macedonia and say to them that they didn't deserve, you know, they squeaked into the Euros. And I, and I think you know what the answer you'll get back is. The sublime master thief, Gordon Pandev. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the disrespect to uh, the, the great Leeds left back, General Leofsky. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> another fantastic glittering uh, match in the glittering reign of Toriano. He continues to be <laughs> king of pro wrestling. All hail, bow before our great monarch.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. That was the, uh, Rambo. So, uh, let's, um, okay. So let's, let's fuck off the dark matches and, uh, move on to the, uh, January 4th, uh, main card that we're also, uh, looking forward to. So, um, I, uh, really, really enjoyed this show. I thought it was, um, I, I think it probably helped that, um, there was a bunch of us who, uh, watched it together um we just like set up a little stream and simulcast it and we were just chatting in the uh just in the uh, in the little box on the right but uh even that aside i uh and if we even if we didn't have the crack i would have um certainly rated this as a an extremely strong start uh to the year um as, as january 4th shows uh do tend to do so it's nice that the uh the the traditional community shield curtain raiser on the pro season uh passed off uh as such a success i guess a first match then let's just uh let's just uh Let's just continue so the first match we have uh, always nice to see a young lion debut um on the on the big january fourth show um uh eschewing the the usual outfit of uh black shorts um was uh arisu endo um and uh she was up against uh Susume in the in the opener Suzume being uh I, I really, I really like Susime Actually, she's been wrestling since 2019. She's, I think, one of the more capable rookies in the company, and clearly someone they trust to guide a new rookie through their uh, debut. Uh, a rookie who, I think, it's fairly clear they rate her fairly highly. Seeing as just from what you, you you were telling me, Luke, they don't tend to have new wrestlers debut in singles matches. It does tend to be a tag. Or or a or a six person tag or whatever. So uh, this this was really solid. I, I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, it, it um it, it was it was actually really nice. Uh, it, you know, probably um first mention of this, but it might become a theme uh, as we go on. Like the commentary, <clears throat> I thought did a really good job here of um putting across how well um Arisu was doing uh in the ring uh and how you know this this is not like. A normal debut, you know this is someone who who like has the fundamentals down uh in a way that shows like a lot of promise going forward um and yeah, given the way that this company you know has lost a few um workers over the last uh year or so um it's really nice to see them you know building another potential star from the ground up and and this was a really promising first showing, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the that's the thing. They have had a lot of departures uh, in the last year, uh, mostly mostly to stardom. Um, you, you, you've you had uh, Unagi, Himawari, uh, Natsumi Maki, and Mina Shirakawa all leave. And uh, 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 although um, she, she actually does crop up on the card later, you have Yunamanase going uh, freelance. None of those were main eventers, really, but they were solid mid-carders who they clearly had plans for. And it takes a lot to... You know, try and get yourself out of that hole that is created by um, very very much the uh, Borussia Dortmund of uh, of women's wrestling in that there is an undisputed top dog in their league. And they're pretty much uh, an also undisputed second, uh, certainly in terms of the, the, the financial backing. Um, but uh, you know the the top dog is just siphoning off their talent and they they have to rebuild. So this was a good effort of that. Uh, the, the commentary actually, we I we should probably say at this point was uh, I'm always a bit skeptical about English commentary because and this is no slight on any uh, any announcer in particular, but you know, wrestling commentary is really hard to do well and there's an awful lot of crap wrestling commentary out there. And so for the most part, I would. Usually rather have it in Japanese, a language I do not speak, um, than uh, have it in English, a language I do speak and uh, sort of be cringing to myself every five minutes. But I don't believe there was actually a Japanese commentary option on the uh, on the streaming service at this point. And I might have actually gone for that if it had been an option, but it wasn't. And I'm quite glad I I'm quite glad I uh, wasn't able to do that because I was uh, really impressed with the team of uh, Mark Pickering, Stuart Fulton and uh, Chris Brooks. Who, uh, so I believe the first to do English language commentary for Noah. Um,
2: yes, yeah, so Stuart Fulton actually does uh, Pancreas as well. He does, oh, okay. he does quite a commentary in UFC 5. I want to mention Stuart Fulton as well, right? Because as you say, like commentary is really, really hard to do, right? You know, everyone always goes, oh, wrestling commentary is so bad. I could do better. You couldn't. You really couldn't. And then people who try and do it. We literally had some, have someone who was on this podcast who did commentary. And admits, you know, that it, it was really, really tough. Stuart Fulton, and I, I mentioned this to you, right? Now I don't, I don't, I don't expect either of you to have heard BBC Radio Scotland, right? Stuart Fulton has the exact cadence of BBC Radio Scotland sports sound of like a football commentator at Capo or, or whatever, and I don't mean that as, as like a joke or anything. He has a gravitas and it has an esteemed uh, nature to his voice that says that he is. He, he could literally, um, you know, uh, do commentary on Hearts versus St. Merlin tomorrow and I wouldn't notice the difference. He, 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 was in, he was really, really good to the point where I, I generally always avoid English commentary for the same reasons as yourself because it's quite bad. I watched this and I was a bit like, oh, God, English commentary. And straight away, I was like, no, they're really, really good to the point where I'm now going to buy the Noah Budokan show because they're <laughs> commentating on it. They were that good. Yeah, I was kind of on the fence. I was like, oh, I don't really want to pay for it. And then I heard that they were doing it. And I was like, yeah, like, I think they are the best english english commentary team going. Like, I can't think of anybody that even comes near. Because yeah, they're funny. But they are, they are funny in a way that a sports broadcaster would be on air. They don't make it about the jokes. They just kind of, you know, have an aside or whatever. Like, if you listen to Sports Sound on Radio Scotland... Like they'll make jokes about how oh, one of get a bit fatter and stuff like that. But they don't, you know, it's just kind of a, a friendly aside. And they, they, they have such a great chemistry that it was just really comforting listening to them to so, you no know, absolutely top marks.
1: It's-, it's a weird choice, isn't it? Because just just on what, what you were saying there, David, Like I, I remember uh, a, a January 4th show in some year gone by where, I think it was the year after Meltzer had given... The Okada Omega match six stars, and 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 then the next year you had you know whoever was doing the English language commentary on that that January fourth show saying like oh well you know the main event got six stars last year what's it gonna be this year seven um, and I I got the sense from um from these guys that you know they would never say like you could just tell they they that kind of thought wouldn't enter into their heads and they were treating this as like a real sport which is a really interesting angle to go down I think like like it's a it's an interesting tonal sort of choice but I think it works so yeah really
0: really well it's a point that uh and I think it is appropriate to the product because like um you know the, the the sister company DDT um obviously uh has a reputation for uh like lots of wacky shenanigans and DDT has a lot of talented wrestlers I mean guarantee if you watch a DDT show uh maybe the 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 heavyweight title match and the tag title match are like relatively serious and all those wrestlers can do a uh, match like that even you know antonio honda's in the you know, Dancho fudinos but you know the, the rest will be all be wacky shit whereas here considering it's a ddt offshoot you don't actually get that much in the way of out and out comedy wrestling really although there are like uh, lots of very colorful uh, characters like it's it's played fairly straight for the most part uh, so I, I think it was uh, an entirely uh, appropriate style of commentary for this type of product it wasn't sort of it's not one of the worst things you can do in investing uh, in commentary is to be too arch and act like oh you know we, we both know it's uh, it's just a laugh I'm too cool for this because there's a lot of uh, a lot of announcers who fallen into that trap and and actually you know the the way in which, you know, there, there was uh, there was comedy stuff later. And the way in which comedy stuff in wrestling works is by um, working against the expectations of what you would have uh, of, of the show proceeding. So, um, and with commentary uh, being an exception, like commentary reacting to, like, mad shit as though it's the most normal thing in the world and just, uh, you know, just a thing that happens is uh, is something I quite like. So, yeah, four marks these blokes. And also, like, uh, three lovely regional accents as well. Usually I would say british people just shouldn't do wrestling commentary like we've got great accents for like uh movie villains but um i will often say like if i hear a british accent on wrestling commentary i'm always like ooh, i'm not sure about this but like they do they're, they're all really good marks.
2: yeah definitely no absolutely the, the, i think the biggest compliment you i can give a common uh, wrestling commentators they should sound like a snooker commentator which <laughs> sounds like a backhanded compliment but they should sound like a snooker commentator and in, in, in the way that they present the the, the what, what's in front of them and um, yeah it's, uh, they, they, it's felt like a legitimate sports uh, commentary and yeah they were fantastic one thing also that was very fantastic in this match, the camel clutch from, yes. from the young lion, this is probably top three camel clutches I've ever seen in my life Oh, it, was it was so it was, good. It was, it was for was so her first ever match. It was like was fucking like hell, fair play, man. She
0: for the ropes and then like she was like getting her arm and like it was like a proper submission struggle spot. It was
2: great. It was so good. Yeah, I was like this. This is better than literally everything AEW has done in its entire existence. It's like <laughs> Six minutes long.
1: You should see David, by the way. Um, uh, May, if if you watch uh, some of her other matches, she has uh one of the best RKO slash Diamond Cutter. <laughs> you know slash whatever moves as yeah. well it didn't quite come off here because i think adi sort of lost her footing a bit yeah that's
0: uh, really the only uh, unfortunately like the only thing she really did wrong was like bump too early for the for the finish other than that it was uh, i also love suzame's uh incredibly weird crossbody where she puts her arms by her sides and then just like she kind of looks like a, a fish flopping around um it's it's pretty, pretty much a modification of the um uh, the Ray mysterious Splash where it does the same thing which um, OSW Review always referred to as the battered sausage. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, a, uh, it, it's quite similar to that. No, she, I think I'm looking, the best thing you can say for a rookie debut is it makes you look forward to what uh, this person can do in the rest of their career and just imagine the potential they have as a performer. So yeah, I, I, I really like this. I thought this was a, a good choice for the opener um, and probably a cut above of both, like your usual um Opener in this uh, company, which doesn't have the the greatest reputation for undercard. But I thought this one was uh, certainly uh, better than the the average one they generally deliver. And also the one at their last big show was really good for that as well. Uh, second match was, OK, so this is Moka Miyamoto and Yuna Manase uh, defeating Haruna Neko and Pom Harajuku. So uh, this was meant to be Marika Kabashi, but uh, she had to be pulled off the show due to testing positive for uh, COVID-19. Rather unfortunately, so they drafted Newnham and I'll say who has uh, said before has uh, gone freelance and is sort of dipping her feet into the waters of uh, various other companies, but she's she's come back for a uh, big show such as this. So she's she's a good dependable performer that you can just plonk in a match like that. Someone who's uh, you know been around a fair few years knows how it all works and is just there tagging with um, the previous the uh, previously debuted uh, young lion. Uh, Moki Miyamoto is now no longer the the baby of the of the roster against uh, two wrestlers in Harunineko and Pom Harajuku who with the, with the best one in the world and not, not the greatest workers. Uh, how dare you. I how,
2: how very dare you. <laughs> Pom Harajuku using my style in all fighting games which is just kick them in the shins because I can't do any <laughs> other moves and just consistently kick them in the shins and it's a great tactic and to be honest I think she should enter Ryzen. Yeah. <laughs> look, look if, it, if it
0: worked for Antonio Inouye against Muhammad Ali yeah. then like then yeah. what I, I want to see Paul Harajuku enter that uh, that like shin kicking championship that they have in <laughs> uh, Dorset or wherever it is. Like you know what I mean where they just get in the yes. corner and elbow and just boot each other in the shins until one of them says uncle.
1: <laughs> like, then they stuff the trousers with straw? Oh, I don't know if, uh, you know, she might she might have to do a bit more training uh, <laughs> I mean, to get I mean, through. She,
0: she doesn't wear knee pads, so she's going to find that quite difficult. Um, <laughs> she's could uh, have in a frame by the age of 23, but... I mean, who in an echo is someone who... I remember Luke, I think right about the time of her debut, you did a, a uh, thread on, like... Uh, thick things you like about all of the all of the roster, and for Haruna Neko you put she wears bells on her costume, and I think it's cute. <laughs>
1: and she's got rid of them now, so <laughs>
0: she's lost the bells. Um, following the footsteps steps of WCW legends the Ding Dongs. Um, <laughs> so um, as as you're probably uh, gathering from my previous coins this was not the greatest matchup uh, I've uh, ever seen in my life. But um, six minutes long, perfectly inoffensive. Uh, mostly- I actually
2: really enjoyed this.
0: You
2: know that? <laughs> I actually really, really enjoyed this. I just enjoyed watching Paul Manager kick people in the shins it, it, it over is- and over again. It was so good.
1: You know, it, 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 it was better on rewatch for me. Like, like the, the first time through, it felt like the weak point of the card. But actually on, on rewatch, it felt actually reasonably slick like it did what it did what the it standards did. of some of the people in
0: this match yes i will.
1: Yeah. and and you know it seems counterintuitive in a way but but actually you know this promotion has really never been about sort of work rate as much as it's been about character and it's just that the standards that they've set in recent years you know have 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 created a kind of different set of expectations so so this is actually quite a classic match you, you know there's always a place on a card like this for for a match like this i think
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Moka Miyamoto, who uh, apparently has a legit karate background, uh, pulled out a few strikes that I I don't think we'd seen from her before. Um, I mean, none of them looked especially amazing, but I I think it's maybe a case of um, like Ernest the Cat Miller, who is like a legit karate expert, his kicks often look like shit and and probably hurt people quite a lot. Whereas the worked kicks of uh, someone like the Great Muta looked amazing and you probably didn't feel a thing. But uh, so uh, I, I, I like Miyamoto's gear quite a lot like it's 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 very different she's got like this like very long skirt that she wears which looks really impractical but like she's uh she she does she does make it work uh is uh, is always solid uh, and this has pretty much been her role since going freelance whenever she's come back for a show like this she's just bullied smaller women <laughs> and it, it's great and runa neko is legitimately like four foot eight <laughs> so like uh yeah i this this was this was fine i uh I certainly enjoyed it for what it was. It's just nice to see these people. It's good to get out of the house, isn't it? Not much in the way of stakes for this one. I'll tell you, tell you what there was uh, much in the way of stakes for. That's the next match. is <laughs> Absolutely. So, right, just to... and I'm very glad the commentary... Uh, that this is actually a benefit of um, the English commentary not having to explain to the people in the chat who didn't know about this stipulation, what the fuck was going on. So, as far as I can tell, there are... Um, There were 100 gachapods. Now, if you don't know what these are, we do actually have them in this country. They've maybe got a toy inside. They're like a plastic ball. You get them from vending machines. So if if you've ever been to Butlins or anything similar to that, then you've probably seen these. But they're they're, they're quite a thing in Japan. And uh, so the idea behind this was you had 100 of these uh, tied to the ropes a la uh, the Big Japan 200 Light Tube uh, deathmatches. 10 of them had a gold ticket inside. And... Uh, the first two tickets would uh, win the match. It was kind of a, a best two out of three. They took fucking ages to get the uh, the gachapods affixed to the ropes as well, which was really funny. And uh, what I, I think the, the best thing I can say for this match is, uh, and the thing I like the most about it, it's the closest wrestling has ever come to accurately recreating the exact sensation of the Crystal Dome. Because <laughs> that is essentially what it was.
2: Yeah, it was. I believe was it Daniel... Um, who once said on here when I was talk- we were talking about the House of Horrors match, where he once says, David, what you want is Ric Flair versus Ronnie Garvin inside the crystal maze. <laughs> and this is possibly the closest I'll ever get to that. It also combined one of my other great loves that you'll know of, George, as well, which is uh, the preliminary round draws of the champions in Europa League, because it was just <laughs> literally just people opening up little balls and pulling slips and now suddenly Hyper is t- taking on Levski-Sofia over two legs in the second <laughs> round, with the winner going on to face Rapid Bucharest. So, you know, crunch tie for Hyper
0: there. Shades of Saint and Greavesy doing the uh, draw for the uh, League Cup quarterfinals with the uh, now banned forever from Twitter president, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> uh,
2: a man who, it, it, it just you just feel like an absolute swing and dicks, don't you, when you realise that your Twitter account has more followers than him? And yeah, the yeah. president of the United
0: States. It's really funny. Like, um, like lo- loads of Nazis have uh, been banned from. Uh, shall I say, loads of other Nazis have been banned from Twitter, um, as well. And you've got all these folks, um, just, uh, just going. I, I've, I've lost uh, thirty thousand followers. This is a, uh, a, uh, an awful assault on free speech. Very, very much like lots of what you would call like mainstream right figures in the USA really telling on themselves with this. I mean, I checked our follower account Ours hasn't gone down at all, and um, this, this might be the uh, for the reason that anytime the, off, the 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 odd times we do get followed by someone with like big magachud energy, like someone with blue lives matter in their bio, I just instantly block them on site, which is for our, for their benefit as much as ours, because like, okay, lad, you're not going to like our content. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this was uh, uh, Shoko Nakajima is um, I think one of the uh, best in-ring wrestlers in the in the company and i think out of all of the the main eventers, she's the most adept at stuff like this because like this is not the first time her and Hyper misao have had a uh, a ridiculous stipulation match with the uh, that's the other the other um, part of the stipulation actually with the forfeit was that the loser would have to change their name for a month and they've done they've done this before with a different type of match shoko nakajima lost and had to i i think change it into shin ultra shoko um, yes, yeah, that,
1: that was this year, uh, the, the year before uh, Misao lost and had to change her name to Akemi da- Daredasore, which means like, who the hell is Akemi? Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you imagine if this happened in Br- rest and just somebody being called Nancy McNon's face for six weeks? <laughs>
0: So uh, Hyper Missile's had a hell of a couple of months because she, uh, in the space of the second half of her show uh, recently, she had a match with Super Sasa Dango Machine, announced her retirement, had an emotional last, quote unquote, retirement match against uh, longtime friend Rika Tatsumi, who we'll see uh, later in the show, then announced she was not in fact retiring at all, but she was getting married to this uh, fella from the, the backstage crew. And, like, I, I didn't watch this live, but for those who did, it seemed like a real emotional roller coaster because out of the blue, Joshi retirements are by no means unheard of. <laughs> so,
1: uh... it, it was it, that I, I wasn't watching live, but like I, I watched it quite soon after. Uh, and that was just an unbelievable, like the thing what's so unbelievable about that is that that can be considered a match, right? It, Hyper Missile versus Super Sassadango Machine is this like, I don't know, hour long match, quote unquote, that incorporates a PowerPoint presentation. Sasadango Machine uh, coming up with an idea for a version of The Bachelor, which is um, oh, trying yes. yeah trying to find Missile's ideal retirement opponent. And then the retirement match, quote unquote, and then the aftermath of that, which was where Miss Howe uh, announced that actually she wasn't retiring at all and she was getting married. Uh, and then the the guy, her fiancé came in the ring and like got physical with, I can't remember, you like hit someone with a clipboard or something. And, and this was like all... A match.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why
1: I didn't give it match
0: of the year. Oh man, like yeah, I, I, I was just following it along on uh, on Twitter and uh, I was just like, oh fuck, like everyone is really uh, feeling this. Part of the bachelor competition was a haiku contest, <laughs> and like it seemed like half of them like did not have the right amount of syllables. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh that was uh that was quite funny um hyper misau is you know the person on the roster who's most known for uh wacky stipulation matches like this if you've ever seen her match with uh Junkasai or uh, like any any of the stuff she's uh been involved in so she's, she's adept at this sort of thing i was really excited when i found out it, it was an effectable rope match
2: yeah I, sang, I had a bell and everything
0: I, I a bell. the size of that bell jesus that's, uh, where, I, that's where Haruna and Echo's little bells went. They were all it, complicated and <laughs> melted down to
2: create absolute monster. Yeah, I, I, I love. It. I love also that the referee couldn't untangle the bell rope, and it gave real memories of like when you have to get your Christmas lights out of the cupboards, and one of them <laughs> isn't working. you was sitting there for fucking ages. That's probably why you thought it went so long, Luke. because it was like twenty four minutes of him untangling cables (laughs) and then six minutes of a match it reminded me i once went to a black metal gig and they had candles because they were wanks basically and then they they were they were having a a live ritual and they had like candles and incense and stuff like that and i'm not joking for 25 minutes i watched a a stage tech try to light a set of candles and put them on a candelabra only for them all to either go out or fall off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to the point where, like, you know how, like, when you go to the football and you see someone who's quite shit and he take a shot and goes into row Z? That, or, like, when the goalkeeper, you know, if the goalkeeper, um, like, is got uh, going to take a punt? He's quite old or fat or whatever, and everybody go, "Oh, I was doing that for about 20 minutes, this poor stage tech. Um, literally all of this there because the, the band were wank but um yeah I, I, a big malfunction at the junction here oh, yeah, in terms of remi-
1: to- sorry david that's just reminded me of the, the last football match i went to um and you know probably the last i'll have been to for for some time um at, at west Didsbury and charlton it's probably a little bit late for them to still be running football and you could tell everyone was like a little bit on edge about being there but the opposition goalkeeper Uh, had really long arms and was wearing an orange shirt so every time he got the ball everyone was just shouting Mr Tickle and uh, it it made the uh, it made the whole thing more enjoyable Um, (laughs) there's a a great old tradition of you know like shouting mean things at opposition goalkeepers
0: Missal won the the match by uh, two golden tickets to one Uh, and most of it was just them like doing a bit of a tug-of-war and uh, tying each other up with the rope uh, around the posts, like a damsel in a western, and um, it was pretty much worked as, like, realistically as one of these things would be worth. This was your designated shenanigans match of the card, as hyper-missile bouts uh, tend to be. Thoroughly entertained by this. Um, I have a uh, question about this, actually. Oh, yeah? How worked do you think
2: this finishes?
1: I was wondering.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm more wondering, like, I'm, I'm sure the they, I'm sure the person who was meant to go over did go over, but like I'm wondering how they worked it, because like how do you keep track of which pods are the ones with the tickets in? A
2: lot of the humor at the end came from them just opening pods and going, "Is this it?" And they go, "No." They go, "Ah!" And then they just go for another one and kept doing it and kept doing it, and to the point where even like the referee was cursing and all the crowd were laughing and stuff like that, and it, it went much like a Stuart Lee joke. It just went on that bit too long. And it became really funny because of it. I, I I was openly just howling with laughter by the end at them just not being able to do anything in terms of doing it. So well, how do you work that? Like, there's 100 pods. Like, be honest, if somebody said to you, oh, it's in pod 32. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, where the fuck's pod? Oh, it's a red one. There's 20 red ones.
0: Yeah, I'd like <laughs> to watch it back. Like, maybe all of the pods that were a, a certain colour, were the ones with the tickets inside, or maybe they have marked them in some way? I, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I'd love to uh, listen to the Royal to... Rumble.
2: That, this is how what, that match. I want to know how it was worked. Like this is this this is great. Like I also liked the the weapons that they brought in the giant box of uh, kaiju figures. Oh probably, god,
0: that was horrible. What was, it was like horrible? That,
2: I've I've get very sensitive to the idea of people just like fucking up collectibles recently like you know like quite valuable collectibles and like i have some kaiju collectibles that i got as a kid and a i would not want to be falling in one of those because jesus fucking christ and they are awful but they're probably worth quite a bit i mean they mentioned that one of the fans got a godzilla tail and just took it home i'm like that's probably worth like a 100 quid that figure (laughs) you've just fucking took a bit
0: of it what the fuck Well, you know about, like, I mean, I'm no economic expert, but there is such a thing as, uh, you know, things that are more scarce tend to be more valuable if they're collectibles. I don't know if this stuff is valuable, like, at all, because, like, can you imagine the number of Godzilla figurines that exist in Japan? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well yes, that's true. You get I given mean, a chocolate one when you go to the Godzilla hotel or something. Uh, you, showed, you
0: showed me that, like the, the detail on the, on the scales it's is fantastic. It, it's literally like Homer looking at the toilet in that episode and going, "They're years ahead of us." <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that, the, the bit where uh, Shoka just found a particularly large Godzilla figurine and just twatted Miss on the head with it, <laughs> it was, like extremely grim, like taking bumps onto that. Like cannot be nice. So fair play to them for that.
2: No, I mean, but you bring it out
0: for the dawn don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah that is yeah, uh, yeah. that that, that, that like is time. true. Right? So yeah, I, I I liked it a lot. Um, the the the, the next uh well I, the next one could be fair described as a get everyone on the card um uh, experience. So this was the team of Mia Watanabe of Up Up Girls fame, uh, Mirai Mayumi and uh, Nao Kakuta, who's a uh, recent signing from Actress Girls. Defeating the uh, absolute mindfucker team of Mizuki Raku and Arjikong, now now Kakuta uh, following in the footsteps of uh, her brother Gail. so one for the uh, one one for all the, pe- all the people trapped in the Chelsea loan system. We are the ninety nine percent. So um, uh, Arjikong on the January fourth show is uh, always a good time, just because like you know quite a lot of the characters here are you know to, to one extent or the other. Uh, quite cheerful or silly, or whatever, um, and she's pretty much just here. And certainly at this stage in her career, she's here to hit people with bins and not take very many bumps. So they will get to the bumps she did take because they were very significant in the story of this match. Uh, teaming with Mizuki, who had recently challenged for the belt in the main event of the of the last big show, and uh, Raku, also of the Up Up Girls, who is a a train enthusiast who has a Twitter account pretty much devoted to talking about trains. And taking pictures of trains, and has said that in the future she would like to be a station master. She was debuting new gear for this show, which was uh, frilly even by Joji standards, and contained what Chris Brooks on commentary called a delightful bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- this was this was great fun. Um, the main the main stories of this match uh, both surrounded Arjika Kong. Uh, what one of which was can Arjika Kong get along with her opponents, and is she going to do uh, the Goodnight Express? which is Raku's extremely stupid... I don't think you can cast it as a finishing move uh, nowadays, and certainly she's never actually beaten anyone with it, but um, certainly a, a signature move of hers, where essentially she basically steps on her opponent and runs around and then pretends to go to sleep while sitting on them, and they did a spot where the three of them did it to their three opponents, and Arja, like they were like just apparently terrified of Arjikong Kong just sitting on them, and uh, eventually uh, Mewasa and drew the short straw and uh, I got the full brunt of Arjakon just for, uh, that. That can't have been nice. Uh, so that was, uh, that was uh, one main story. And the other one was RG Kong coming to blows with uh, Mirai Mayumi, who is a young wrestler who's not debuted, uh, didn't debut that long ago, and is uh, a, a well built woman and uh, throws uh, what, what I would say is the best lariat in Joshi. Um, oh, what a lariat, though. Oh, fuck. I, yeah, it, she, she really does not mess around with this. Like she lays it in, and the, the 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 main story of the match was like her and Arjuna Kong again. I I really like this to be a singles match, um somewhere down the line. I think it probably will be. Although the the singles match they te- teased at the uh, post match press conference was Arjuna Kong versus Raku, which I think if anything I would like to see even more.
2: <laughs> oh, that would, that would be incredible. I loved Raku this. Like, I one of my favorite things about this the January Fourth Dome show is that you always get lots of and um, people jumping on people's backs and doing sleeper holds and raku is very good to say raku had some great wee transitions in this and i really really enjoyed her in this i would love to see ra- uh, ratty wee raku pissing off Azure kong and trying to like you know wait her down with a sleeper hold and just getting absolutely billard. i think that would be wonderful am i right in saying this was the Up Up girls exploding because um, it was two up up girls against each other
0: yes they were although I, I i believe actually uh all of the up up girls debut was just a tag match in it because they used to be four and i think they just all wrestled each other it's it's like it's like how i always explain to people who um who aren't familiar with them um i was just like okay so there's uh, there's a stable called the up up girls For, former idols you who know, they would do a song and dance number to open open the show and I'm like, oh great are they a stable no <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: like um, catch point isn't it you know, they yes. just fight each other. Uh, catch point, but better the up up girls. That's that's what you should take away from this episode. The up up girls are basically catch point, but good.
0: Yeah, it was. I, I like I like Raku a lot. She's uh, she she gets point for me by being, as far as I can tell, the only member of the roster to ever prayed at the gra- grave of Ricky Dozan. Uh, and she does <laughs> use, do lots of uh, overhead chops, um, which none of which are uh, especially effective. She's she's fun. I like her, and there's something extremely endearing about her love of trains in that she's just like. Again, it's a hobby you wouldn't expect, like, a a young woman to have. And uh, there's something very wholesome about her just, like, being, yeah, I I really love trains and just post loads of train content uh, all over the place. Speaking as
2: a train enthusiast myself, I don't ever speak about it, but I am actually quite a big train enthusiast. (laughs) It's quite nice to see see other people. But getting dates booked at, like, Red Car, British Steel, um, down the line, or, like, Teesside Airport that's that's a joke for train people because of the least used stations in uh, the uk so i've I've known you for like
0: five years and i've like did not know this so like, I, I don't know I,
2: all all the stations on youtube i just love watching it and them going to all the weird stations and stuff like
0: that and yeah i would definitely i would definitely suggest it She's remember posting, like, uh, I went to such and such uh, station today. Very beautiful. And it's just, like, four pictures of, like, chain link fences and
2: stuff. <laughs> All I'm saying is I want Raku to go on the um, Dundee's Aberdeen line uh, on this on the Saturday when you go for Barry Links and Golf Street, the two rarest train stations in Scotland and they're right next to each other. Uh, that that would be pre-will content. That would be my match of the year if that happened and I'm not even joking. <laughs>
0: So, so the, the, the big the big spot with uh, with this was uh, so uh, Kong took not one but two bumps in this uh, in this match. The first one being uh, I really think fell it, in
2: her quarter for the year, hasn't she? Yeah, pretty
0: much. It was uh, there was a spot where Mia and seemed to be trying to powerbomb her off the top rope, then thought fuck it and just like dragged her down. So that was the first. The second was like the big spot of this match, and I think actually did a huge amount to put um, Mayumi over was her lariating the absolute bejesus out of Arjikaong. Uh, Kong selling it like fuck and it basically taking her out the rest of the match like she didn't get the pin on RG Kong but that really puts her over as a force to be reckoned with just within the kayfabe of the company um, so that that, that was uh, she didn't even get the pin for her team like uh, Mew uh, pinned Raku I believe but um, uh, that, that was, that was the, the thing everyone took away from this I think
1: yeah and yeah. she's she's challenging uh, for one of the singles titles um soon so i i wouldn't be surprised if they use this as a as a launchpad for her comment commentary did a really good job of putting the, the meaning of that spot over again just to just to give them another shout out because i'm not you know it, it was kind of a chaotic like six man so um
0: yeah.
1: it's sometimes a bit hard to keep tabs on who's in and who's out but but yeah they they really like hammered that point home um which i i really appreciated because it kind of it ma- it made this sort of seemingly quite throwaway match uh do a big job i think
0: oh yeah absolutely like it's because uh, very often like you have these get over everyone on the card uh matches on these on these shows and they don't really mean uh, a huge deal so if you're using it to build a new star which i i think they very much see and raimi as being uh, so certainly if they've got any sense they they, they do um like uh, i think this uh, really did its job in terms of like good good use of a legend um uh, uh, certainly and uh, yeah yeah absolutely uh, and you know it's, uh, it's i think speaks to the um strength of the roster at the moment that you can have uh, mizki who challenged for the belt on the on the last big show just here in a you know, six person tag and you know, be, being one of the uh, the least significant components of it but you can still put her in this position and it's uh, and it's absolutely fine. Like it's uh, it's it's a good user phone. You You're not missing her from uh, anywhere else on the card. So yeah, yeah, th- 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 thumbs up, to, thumbs up to this for sure. Okay, so uh, the next one was a uh, uh, tag match. I guess the the uh, the new version of a long time uh, stable in the company, uh, Neo Bushikigun. Now this iteration of it is uh, led by Saki Sama as ever, and uh, featuring her new uh, acolyte, um, a certain May San Michelle. We'll come to her in a minute. And they were taking on the team of Hikari Noa and Sena Shiori, who are uh, real life BFFs. Um, they, they always come out hugging each other. And it's very, it's uh, very nice. Um, and uh, who I believe both got into wrestling through BJW death matches. So <laughs> which is, it, it's
1: basically every
0: a- everyone now. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I know right. Suzuki in, uh, in Ice Ribbon also got into wrestling through that simply because Big Japan were the only company that ever came to her hometown. Um, yeah, her tiny so
1: hometown in Miyazaki Prefecture, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's like my, my heroes are Abdullah Kobayashi and uh, the dragon Ryuji Ito and, I don't know, fucking Shinobu or someone. Um, so to explain who Mei San Michelle is, so the last big show, um, the uh, uh, co- obviously completely separate uh, person, Mesaruga, Saruga uh, had a guest appearance in the opener. Um, I didn't think anything of it at the time particularly other than, oh, Mei Saruga's uh, exceptionally good and uh you know yeah she's a great wrestler it's nice to see her being given a chance on a big show like this even if it is a kind of one and done and so i think everyone was quite surprised to see her uh turn up in a french maid outfit as the uh, the new tag partner of saki sama which is presumably going to lead to a run with the tag belts because it always does whenever uh, saki sama brings in a new tag partner so uh that's uh that's going to be good but um i i still haven't quite got used to this lads like um uh, simply based on the fact that uh, you know Mace Ruger's character in uh, Choco Pro is very different from this. Although I, I did I did enjoy the discourse. I don't know people people would like to make comparisons with uh, Stardom. And say, well, you know, they've got a cat girl and someone in a made outfit. You know, that's just as explosive. As I was like, firstly, if you're getting your rocks off over cat girls, that says far more about you than it does about the company. <laughs> and uh, sec- secondly, the neo beach Kagoons' vibe I would generally characterise as elegant rather than sexy. It's just, it's just them speaking like broken French to each other and saying ce n'est pas bon and uh, and and stuff like that. Me we
2: oui, Rodney, petit pois, etc etc. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And just, just be just being bitches, really. Oh, like <laughs> that's, that's what the uh, that's what the stable was all about. So it would uh, th- those criticisms would seem to me to be
2: uh I will, will
0: see. I didn't know this is me Soregar. Okay, wow, she, she must be doing must be doing a good job of. Uh... I just
2: heard it, Mace San Michelle, and I was like, that's a weird name for a Japanese person, and like, <laughs> like that. So And I was just like, she's kind of made out of it. But I think I think I know what it is though. I don't like Mesa Riga wrestling in a ring.
1: This
2: <laughs> is not it's not the same for me. It were, I, I just, were, I just were don't.
0: You there, were you there looking at Mace San Michelle, th- thinking oh, it's nice to see some new Joshi wrestlers of mixed heritage? Uh, got a uh, <laughs> half Japanese, just
2: half like <laughs> I was just like, what a bizarre gimmick. Like, what, what is going on? Yeah, she's like fresh, fresh from the
0: Dodoin. Um, you don't know the fucking half of it with this stable. Like, it, it,
2: the, the, this is big Tour de France 2017 energy to it, <laughs> and I heartily
0: <laughs> approve. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, is it's essentially a takeoff of a popular anime called Rosa Versailles.
1: Yeah, they use the theme tune from that anime. Oh, okay. Uh, as <laughs> the, <as> the <laughs> Which is, is a banner, here. by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. May May michel was found uh, by Saki-sama when she was out playing the flute in a forest in an enchanted <laughs> forest. It was either an enchanted forest or an enchanted flute or possibly both. Um and and I would May assume the forest following. was also enchanted. <laughs> yeah, probably. And uh, yeah and May started following her and uh, and so Saki-sama decided to take her in as her newest uh, you know recruit to the estate.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a very very relatable gimmick. Uh, For all of us, uh, from all of us here, um, I, I, I again, if you've, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we've talked about Mesa Rugo really a gigantic amount in this podcast because like we're we're mostly uh, mostly doing shoot star matches from like 30 years ago, so we do not have much cause to. But um, uh, I mean, she's uh, she's an exceptionally good uh, technical worker, but also just really gets the character aspects of wrestling, and yeah, like say David, it's, it's no uh, wonder that you didn't realise it was her because she's like. She's doing her signature stuff, but she's putting a new spin on it. And uh, there's also the. Uh, can we talk about the tray spot? Oh, oh yes. the tray. Oh,
2: that, See, now that you mention it's May Suriga, I'm like, of course it is. The tray. Oh, of course Tom it is.
1: Ever May Suriga. That's like, it's so Tom and Jerry, that spot.
2: It, yeah. it's, it's so good. And like, yeah, I I loved the tray spot. And I loved all the tray play through eh, all of this. Like, <laughs> it, it was so great. But that, that tray spot is
0: like. Amazing. Yeah, just I, to just describe it for the listeners, it's um so they kind of do like an Irish whip thing and like Masons towards the ropes and then puts the tray on the ground and they slip on it like a banana peel, and it the timing you must need to get that right is just just remarkable stuff. Like because I've seen her do it with Susan May and I and I was like whoa fuck did you see that? But I was just like was that kind of a one off? Did they just like absolutely nail at that time? But I like, no fair play to. I think it might be Hikari who took the took the bump
2: off it, but like um yeah, it, it's it's so good, I absolutely love it. I've I've always said I, I genuinely think like Mesa is like top three, if not top one workers in the world last year. I think she was just incredible, she was just the best. And like something like this just shows how good that she is. She really has earned her place um in the four pillars of Joshi, alongside Hyper missile, Ram Kachau, and Starlight Kid.
1: <laughs> um
2: the four pillars of joshi that's how we all know them she is quite clearly the best and i'm i'm glad that she's getting work i like i, I like i like i want her to have all the work in the world um that she wants yeah the trace Spot is just you you can really see the the emi sakura gastro Choco pro influence and in that that sort of thing doesn't come from being trained in the fucking zero one dojo or anything like that you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, that yeah. that is an, an emi sakuraism even though it's not you know it's not a, a noted emi sakura spot but it's that sort of sensibility that she gives it's, them
1: it's is, because it's it's because it's like a you know when i when i um interviewed uh aki uh for for my my own podcast uh a couple of years ago um he said that the thing about training under emi sakura is that she demands technical perfection that like from that that's non-negotiable right you in order to train under her you have to be able to get the fundamentals like spot on every single time that's just the baseline requirement what you then are supposed to do is work out how to put character and you know other stuff on top of that so yeah you're absolutely right this is such an emi sakura bit because it requires incredible amount of precision with timing where she puts the tray and so on and so forth but it's all done in the name of this kind of like you know stupid slapstick spot
0: yeah it's, it's a comparison I, i've made this comparison on the podcast before but uh the comedian les dawson who would do these songs and he'd, he'd play the piano and then he'd like fuck it up in like an, an amusing way but like he had to be an incredible piano player to be able to mess up in a way that was like Deliberate and and timed right and, and funny, rather than just like coming across as like not very good piano playing. So it, it's exactly the kind, it's exactly the same uh, kind of sensibility that she has. Here. It's actually a case I, I'd, I'd have to check this, but like between her being in uh, Choco Pro and the odd uh, appearance elsewhere, like Mizuki probably worked more matches than damn near everyone in Japan in the year two thousand twenty. Just because of like the frequency with which Choco Pro runs. Uh, I, again, I'd, I'd have to check the numbers, but uh, yeah, very weird to see her in a ring. But again, as Luke says, if you do have this technical excellence, you that also brings adaptability with it. And so you, yeah, you you you, you should be able to like dress as a French maid and do silly spots with uh, with a, 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 a silver tray, and and just excel just as much with that as you would uh, doing grappling with i don't know antonio honda in a in a former pharmacy in in tokyo so uh yeah yeah i i, I enjoyed this uh like i say I, I assume they are soon winning the tag belts uh hikari no and of were good foils for him hikari, hikari no i think it's probably the best in ring of the up up girls and he uh as uh, i would have it she had a extremely good match with uh, maki Ito, who we'll come to in a minute on the previous january 4th show which i would say was a uh, unexpected match of the night considering some of the other stuff that was on the card which promised to del- deliver. That was uh, really, really good. Uh, and, you know, clearly someone they have uh, uh, a high regard of. Uh, Sally Shuri, a you know, rookie with good fundamentals. I'm sure she'll do well in the future. Uh, they came out on the losing side of this time. I don't think anyone really expected anything different. Um, so the, the next match, I think, was much less of a foregone conclusion. So this was... They, they, do, they do this match uh, like... Semi-frequently, um, it's uh, uh Yamashita versus Makito, um, and they, they they they've they've done this on uh, big co uh, shows before, um, and they've they've had them uh, face off in tag matches um, uh, quite recently. They had to, they also had a um, couple of encounters uh, in December uh, before this. I think one in a singles match with a ten-minute time note, which is a draw. The other one, Ito pinning Yamashita in a tag match. Um, so you know, th- this is this is a this is a match where it's a long it's a long form story that they're telling with these two and you can chuck it on a card when uh, neither of these two have anything uh, you know, involved in the title scene. It, it will it will at the very least be good and uh, at the very most. And I think this match certainly uh, justified it, that it will be just absolutely fucking incredible stuff. Just to put put a comparison, I think Luke, someone in your replies was saying that they kind of have the same match every time, which is utter uh, nonsense, really. Uh, because if you not 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 wishing to put too fine a point on, but if you compare this uh, with the match for the for the belt that they had uh, back in I believe 2019, that match I, I I liked it rather than loved it, but it was a match that was extremely functional in the sense that it really efficiently told the story that Maki Ito is a uh, you know a limited wrestler who has got this title opportunity. Not much of what she does can hurt the champion, and indeed it didn't. And Yamashita you know, won quite decisively in the end. There were a few hope spots. It didn't, it didn't do much more than that, but they did tell that story very well. You know, if you, if you think that's anything at all like the match that happened on this January fourth show, uh, please watch them back to back, and then tell me that again because this was just light years ahead of uh, even what I expected with uh, you know Ito's improvement in the ring uh, since that time.
2: Uh, this this was absolutely fucking nuts. Oh, this is wild! Like, I like throughout the entire show, I would loved the back kicks. You know, in terms of you know when he kick them in the spine and they look they look oh. horrid. And I was like, man, they're really going for it. It's horrid. And it was quite it was quite at times. And then this match came along, and Jesus man, those those back kicks looked like a Kevin Nash jackknife in comparison. <laughs> good lords, this they were not fucking about uh yeah uh
0: look just give us your because i've
1: yeah. got a lot of thoughts on this <laughs> i do i'm just literally looking at my uh my my um draft from for the review that i will eventually post at the end of the month um
0: which oh, yes, is very yes. long do, do subscribe to luke's newsletter we'll give you the details um in the plug section but like it, it's real good shit so um uh, so yeah for do, well, do that
1: stick around we'll get onto that um but yeah it, it, it's a long one so I'm just kind of trying to pull out a few points but what what was I mean there's two there's two things about this match really um one is that if you've watched a lot of this company this was one of those matches which neces it's not necessarily full of like conscious callbacks in that kind of garganno champmpabuck uh, uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely but but it's it's Got all these kind of um, points where where it my mind was going back to other matches in company history, like like the match that uh, Miyu Yamashita had against Rika Tatsumi uh, in 2018 for the title, or the the tag title match that Ito had uh, where she teamed with Rika Saiki against the uh, Magical Sugar Rabbits, uh, I think that same year. The structure is just full of stuff. That, that tells the story of where these two are in terms of the the landscape of, of of this company and 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 how their careers have progressed like in tandem. And another thing which is kind of connected to that, when I say that it reminded me of the the Rika Tatsumi of Miyu Yamash, the match, what I mean is that it told a similar story to that in that in that match, which is one of my favorite matches of the last however many years, Rika sort of like saved her more characteristic offense the stuff that had seen her beat Yamashita before in the run-up to their title match until the very end and when she'd done it when she'd hit it and it and it didn't work it was like right that's game over and she spent the rest of the match you know the the earlier stages trying stuff to surprise Miyu and I think Ito did ex- came in with exactly the same game plan here. She was hitting a lot of stuff we've never necessarily seen her hit before. And it was once she got into her more sort of trademark offense that she actually started to lose the match.
0: Um, yeah, that, and that, that, that's that's so, the thing. was like so much shit she did that... Uh, I'm just thinking in terms of the uh, the uh, uh, backwards roll into the half crab that... Uh, well, Lance Lan- Lan Storm is uh, someone who really popularized that. But uh, there were so many things that she was doing the tornado ddt which i've you know seen her fuck up half the time when she started doing it uh, like absolutely nailed that just like so much of what she uh, of what ito did like the new offense was just so crisply done there were none of like john Cena's springboard stunner that like worked once and then looked like absolute ass like every single other time he tried to do it um it's it's something that is is really interesting to me because um the evolution of what ito is capable of uh, physically because I mean uh, it's it's been remarked upon on several occasions not just by yourself Luke, but also by by others that uh, Ito's character works both within and against tropes that you would expect of quote-unquote idol wrestlers in the sense that when she was in an idol group she you know absolutely hated the things that go with being an idol you know the, the grind of it all but at the same time she is a performer to her core in terms of being idolized and wanting to be idolized and hence why she comes out in the sort of idol uniform. She does the, uh, she does the song when she uh, does her entrance as well. Like, and considering all the, uh, all the tensions between those two sides of herself, um, I think one of the main ironies of Maki Ito is that uh, she more closely fits the, the sort of idol trajectory in terms of a career progression, than probably any wrestler I can think of. If you've listened to episode six of Big Egg Podcasting Universe, where we t- we talk about the fact that when idols start, there is a a sort of a building Roman element uh, to it. Um, they they start and you know they're quite tentative and clumsy a lot of the time. They're not really featured. I don't know whether this is a, a pantomime of uh, being unsure of themselves or or you know or legit. It's something to make the fans uh get an attachment to them and so you can have the enjoyment of seeing them progress in their career in, in the same way that it's uh, true of a lot of Joshi rookies uh makito when she started out in wrestling she she had the performance aspect down virtually from uh, virtually from day one but like uh you know she was like legitimately terrible in terms of uh, her in ring uh, but you you, you, know, you didn't mind so much because she was a compelling character and you're like okay she's not gonna have uh five-star classics or even probably three-star classics but um you know she's she's extremely compelling to watch now i would have no problem putting her up there with the best in ring performers in the company certainly based on uh, on this match because like you know i, I thought she was uh, absolutely fantastic not just in terms of the character beats but just in terms of what she's capable of physically now and yeah this is why i say like it, it bears no comparison at all with what uh, even she was capable of in 2019
1: yeah absolutely and and it's like I I thought that that might be the trajectory that she would head on to uh, after, like, it was after, so again, uh, to call back to my other podcast, uh, um, we did uh, a, a, a big kind of deep dive into Maki Ito in uh, 2019, I think it was. Uh, at the time of recording, she'd just beaten Natsumi Maki, um, and uh, we were sort of speculating about how she was, You know, from this point onward, she was about to go on to become a good wrestler. And that that might potentially drain out some of the other characteristics that had made her so compelling up to that point. But it's not that's not happened at all. Like and and this match is a case in point, like she is a good wrestler now, but there's still and, and, you know, she's a good wrestler to the point where you can believe that Miu Yamashita is working from underneath for most of this match, which is, you know, really saying something. Um, But they're still, at the same time, they're able to do that with her. They're able to tell this story where she's still this kind of tragic figure who still gets hoist by her own petard, you know, at at the final hurdle. So this this was sort of like a match which shows how she, you know, she can have her cake and eat it in a sense. Like she can still be this endearing loser while at the same time becoming you know like a, a top worker as you say and yeah. and it's really
0: impressive yeah I mean that's an important point actually because like uh, she did indeed lose this match and there was there was a bunch of us talking before the show and we were just thinking okay they've done this they've done this match so many times either singles or tag like is this the time that uh, Ito finally beats Miu on the big stage and I kind of, I kind of thought that it would be, but the way they were at this match, I'm absolutely not put out at all that that didn't end up being the case. I mean, the the finish was by knockout. You really do not see that finish in this company um, uh, at all, really. Or anywhere.
2: Where, well, where do you well, see knockout finishes like very often? Like it was really gripping, and it was it was such a powerful finish. Like I, just because you, you, I can't remember the last time I seen a knockout finish outside of like you know some weird blood sport, no ropes, <laughs> K1 rules, man. like do you know what I mean? Like with that, like it was such a great use of it that it really, really worked. And it showed that, you know, Maki Ito, she's not gonna win this time, but she's she's getting there. She's she's really, really close. She's inches away. And she just her body just failed her at the last minute. And um and to be fair, after the headbutts, it actually made me genuinely worried. When they done the knockout, that was like Jesus man, because the headbutt was horrific. Um, yeah, yeah, Proper Akada Shibata energy to it. You no, know, I loved the finish, and I thought it worked really well in the context of the match and and in the rivalry as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, again, like again, completely different from 2019. Here the story is, um, Maki Ito almost had news. She had her genuinely rattled and uh, and unsure of herself. And, and you can see that in the post match as well. They did the like the fist bump rather than Ito giving her the finger, and that kind of, that symbolises an acceptance on Ito's part of herself as being at that level and kind of not having to you know give it all of that. You know she doesn't have to be as defiant because you know she actually did come very close to winning at various points in a way that she never has against her rival before on this kind of stage. Um, so yeah, I I absolutely love this. Like uh, seriously, go out of your way to watch this match. It was uh, if this isn't in my match of the year running for uh, 2021, I will be very very surprised. This was uh, just superb stuff. So the penultimate match of the show, this is a uh, IWGP uh, Princess Tag Team Title match, was the uh, the Bakuretsu sisters of Nodoka Tenma and Yuki Aino, uh defeating Mahiro Kiryu and uh, Yuki Kamifuku. Uh, Mahiro Kiryu doing it for uh, her with her Kazma. I'm going to go to that well of humour once more. I'm uh, certainly not above that. Um, Are you going to
1: start talking about mahjong now, George? <laughs>
0: uh, no, I no, I'm, I'm not. I have a whole Twitch stream of that, which you can follow at twitchtv Lord um, <laughs> So, um, so the the this was so the back of it, Two sisters of uh, I believe this is the first defence of the belts. Yes, they had, yep, uh, nice. won the belts from the previous uh, champions, uh, Daydream. The team of. Rika Tatsumi, who we've seen in the main event, and uh, Mio Watanabe, who we mentioned before, and this is against a kind of somewhat makeshift team of uh, Yuki Kamefuuka and Mihiro Kiryu, who, as far as I can tell, are teaming based on the fact that they went to the same university.
1: The 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 uh, the stakes of this match are the the age-old argument: which is the stronger bond, being actual sisters or having gone to the same university? <laughs>
0: I mean, that that is that is that that is the classic pub debate, obviously. we always we always are talking about that. You know, is, is blood thicker than having having chundered into a fireplace at uh, Clute on a Thursday night? I've got
2: to that my microphone is muted. I literally made that joke on mute.
0: And and
2: heard you get faster. I was going to say, is blood thicker than one pound pints in the Student Union?
0: <laughs> so, well if, if you if you make a singer in the woods and no one's around it did it really happen so yeah it's uh yuki kamafuku and Mihiro kiryu uh sinking the quaddies um drink, drinks that are so strong they're not legally allowed allowed to sell them to you so they have to sell you uh two drinks one of which is in a vessel big enough to occupy both and then say <laughs> whatever you do with these drinks in the future is legally not our problem <laughs> that might just be unique to the university I went to. But, um...
2: I can confirm it definitely is not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, this was, I believe, Kiryu's first uh, shot at any belt in the company. Uh, Kamapuka was at like, quite the banner year, winning the uh, IWGP International Princess uh, Championship in a, uh, a tournament to crown a new champion after Thunder Rosa was uh, unable to defend the title due to literally not being able to get into the country for several months uh so she won that uh, tournament in what was uh, uh quite the upset really and this idea of her like winning uh, winning two belts uh yuki kamifuku is a uh an uh, endearing personality on the old twitter firstly she does some uh, does some excellent uh, english language tweets uh, she speaks english uh, virtually fluently and uh, is uh, often tweeting about uh uh, for example, uh, certainly the tweet of hers I remember the most, the one about uh, pe- people are saying, I saw your spread in Friday magazine and I saw your pubes. Well, I have no pubes. <laughs> Almost to that extent. Um, and just, uh, really of-
2: lighting up the Joshi discourse from the sort of
0: wrongings <laughs> that Populate it from time to time I, I, I don't know what you mean, there's never been anything Untoward about the Joshi fandom whatsoever And um, <laughs> that Starlight Kid book Was all tasteful <laughs> And there was no <laughs> nude photos Whatsoever in that book. So, you know, um, we'll put that and, to bed uh, The other reason you can come up with Great on Twitter is she has an adorable little dog called Zach uh, Named after Zach Efron Zach has his own Twitter account and it's a very cute and floofy doggo, and I would recommend you give him a follow. It's very good content. Um, as a wrestler, she uh, uh, just getting to that, uh, she's uh, really improved a lot, uh, especially in the last year. She used to be basically about uh, doing big boots. She's, uh, she's very tall and has very long legs, and she just did big boot spam. She still does that, but she also does other moves. And, uh, yeah, she's got a sort of... Um, uh, yeah, Mahiro Kiri has been resting a, a bit more than a year, I think relatively seasoned by uh, the standards of some of the people on this card and yeah this uh, this this slide didn't blow me away or anything but it was a um it was a, a very nice cool down match um between the madness of uh, what we had just witnessed and the you know arguably equally intense in many ways uh, main event so yeah i i i like the Two sisters as a tag team quite a lot um nodoka is uh, is uh very fun she's like four foot eight four foot nine uh she i'm, I'm just a fan of round wrestlers <laughs> like uh, she, she's just a, she's just an absolute tank. Uh, she does uh, she does shoulder box and fall away slams and uh, big lash shit. But she is very short. It's great fun.
1: And she does submissions with her legs as well. Like like which which started as a joke, but here she actually you know, <laughs> her extremely short legs to to actually create something. That that
0: could have been the secondary storyline because I, I think uh, Kamifuku does uh, submissions like that as well. So, yeah, like long versus thick. Is that like which is better? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's fec, than thick. long. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah, I I uh, I thought this was actually one of the better tag title matches I've seen in a while. It was, I don't know, like Nodoka just really blew me away here by how well she controlled the match and uh, i don't i don't know what it is There's, there was something in this performance that has been missing in the last year or so cuz cuz um she can be amazing when she when she gets the right kind of spot uh and yeah she just really drew me into the match here and and yuki kamifuku as ring general sort of like looking after her young charge was really really delightful i thought because her thing has been so she still comes out to a kids bop version of old had a mcdonald's pop. <laughs> just let's just put it that way she has this i don't i don't really know how to how to put it into words she demands respect yuki kamifuku i don't really know like she she sort of she backs herself you know she takes things quite seriously even though her whole presentation suggests that she would be treated as a joke, and I was really happy when she won won the title, and I was really happy to see her in the semi-main event here, like uh, you know, being the kind of senior wrestler for her team. It was uh, it was really nice to see.
0: Yeah, she didn't look out of place at all. I I, I think it's been uh, Kiwi I think uh, her 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 time will come, but I don't think certainly for uh, the two Yukis. Uh, 2020 was a, a good year in their career Yukiano got her her first title match In that year And so, so it certainly turned into a creditable performance And obviously we've had Kamifuku uh, Winning uh, her first belt as well So yeah, it, it's kind of like you're elevating The talent that you have, you've had departures But uh, they're, 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 they've, they've Booked well with the people who are left and I think certainly the Bakaretsu sisters Winning the tag titles was a long time coming And uh, yeah, I just uh, Yeah, yeah, because no, someone who I, I think you're right Luke, she uh, she can blow hot and cold sometimes. Uh, her title match against Yu was kind of fine, but like not much more than that, and felt like it could have got going a lot more. But like I think she's certainly found her niche in terms of being a uh, you know, the glue in uh, tag title matches. I'm really looking forward to the inevitable match they have against uh, Sakisama and May San Michelle. I think I think that's going that's going to be very very good. And uh, yeah, just some just just a real good shit here. Like didn't like go absolutely crazy, but just a, a well worked tag title match that fulfilled a need for the card, didn't go, didn't go too mad, and didn't overshadow what had uh, previously happened. I don't think it was ever going to be a uh, like a, a real work-rate spectacular, considering who was in it, but like it was really well worked. I, I liked it.
2: Yeah, gonna say, I was going to say, str- I struggled a little bit because it was just after the Makito e Yamashi match, where I <laughs> yeah. it was just like, man, like I, we've hit our peak and this is going to come again. I thought this is you know, perfectly serviceable. I, I think the crowd maybe struggled a little bit just purely because it was a first title defence. It Very much felt like you're not going to see a winner. Um, you know, they did bite in some near and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, like it, it didn't have that high stakes energy they say the Hyper match had. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well like, no, I enjoyed it. It was good, yeah. But um, it was again, it was a bit of a come down from the Machito match. So um, yeah, yeah. But, no, perfectly fine. I don't,
0: I don't think the, uh, I don't think the result of this was ever in doubt, really. Uh, when the, much as I would have loved to see Kamiiu two belts, as the, all, all as de- devoted communists as we are,
1: <laughs> one day, one day,
0: what, 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 one one day, one day for all the comrades. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, moving on to the main event, the uh, for the IWGP Princess of Princess title. Um, so yeah, the the, the background to this one. Uh, so we had uh, Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, defending the belt against uh, Rika Tatsumi. Uh the the video package and again again in the background by the commentators uh, did uh, did a lot to place this in in the context. So these two have been with the company uh, virtually since it started uh, started operating. Uh, they joined around about the same time, and as I as I understand it, they so they were in a play with uh, I think Sancho Takagi and Dan Shogodino, if memory serves, or like certainly two DDT regulars. What a play
2: that would be! What what is going on? I don't think they're doing checkoff. What? What the hell? I mean, I'd love to see that.
1: Do you know? I I actually think that what it was was that they were in a band with Antonio Honda and Transam Hiroshi. Oh, that um, was yes. Who then invited them to a to a show, and they um or or had them helping out like hand out flyers for the show or something, and then they sort of got involved that way. It's it's either yeah, you either get involved through you know, being plucked from the world of performing arts, which is how Emmy Sakura found most of the trainees, uh, she trained up at Ice Ribbon, uh or you uh, are uh visited by the Big Japan deathmatch circus and <laughs> that way. Those are the two main entry points into Joshi, I
0: think. I don't know, I'm still liking the idea of uh Yuka Zakazaki just sitting there ordering you know, Rika Tatsumi about. And then Takagi and Dino were just in bins and uh, pop up every <laughs> so often. It's so, a so, so, so nice Samuel Beckett deep cut for you. Wasn't that a match on
1: uh, Peter Pan
0: 2017? <laughs> <laughs> Very look, good. Look, we've, we've, we've had enough wrestlers climbing in bins. Uh, if, you've, if you've watched the last uh, NXT war games,
2: and <laughs> uh, not enough uh, wrestlers in the trash in twenty I'm alright. Um I was gonna say, George, you you've you pronounced the title wrong. It's actually called the I WGP Princess or Princess <laughs> oh,
0: Championship. Oh god. So uh yeah, <laughs> the, the, the background of this, this is like a match that's clearly been uh, a long time in the making. Uh, you could have had the belt for around four hundred and thirty odd days. Uh obviously some of this was curtailed due to COVID, but still a Hell of a run that... Uh, it was her second run with the belt, but uh, I think the first run she didn't have a successful defence. She um, lost it
1: on the first defence against Rekir Saiki.
0: OK, they, they, there you go. I mean, fair enough. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, so that, that was like her... This was her first proper reign, uh, really. She's done a, done, a, done a great job with it, uh, I, I think. Mika Tatsumi is someone who... Uh, uh, Luke, you mentioned earlier her match against Miyamashita in 2018. I know you and a lot of people credit that for like drawing you into uh, into the promotion uh i i wasn't watching at that point uh, so i don't have this experience of rika tatsumi as a main event wrestler firstly because she was uh i think she picked up an injury around about the time i started watching Then when she came back she was in this angle with missao and then she was in the tag division it's not not that i didn't rate her but like i i certainly didn't see her as a talent on this level even though like loads of people whose opinions i respect uh, were telling me that she really was uh, anyway, she absolutely fucking killed it in this match. I was like so impressed with her performance beyond the, the extent to which I thought I I would be even with someone as skilled as yukisakazaki Sakazaki in the opposite corner.
1: Yeah, it, what's what's interesting here is a lot of how she owned the main event in in twenty eight uh, that twenty eighteen match with Miyu Yamashita was quite different to, to what she did here so that angle leading up to the her last title match was so compelling because it had it had so much raw emotion in it so when she challenged for the title she did so by getting into the ring cutting off a lock of her hair in the middle of the ring and like holding it up and saying like you know this is the kind of sacrifice i'm willing to make to the challenge for this title there were a lot of tears and it, and it was all very emotional and the match itself was very emotional as well, and it and it's like by Rika obviously lost that match, and by the end of it, she she seemed like a sort of emotionally spent force, like she'd she'd ridden in on this wave of of kind of like you know like Brazil in the 2014 World Cup, just <laughs> crying constantly, um, and then she she sort a shirt of
0: with Neymar's name on the back,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then and then she kind of crashed out. Um, whereas here it's like she's a, a couple of years older more experienced now she's had this run with the tag titles with a you know a younger wrestler um who she helped to kind of uh, get established you know she's come through this really emotional friendship breakup angle with miss out as well so she's she's an older and wiser wrestler now and she came into this match com- in a completely different way she she just seemed more sort of like self-possessed sort of stronger more canny and Oh, boy, did that play out here. Um, she she came into this match with an absolutely brutally sort of one-note game plan, and she just stuck to it and stuck to it and stuck to it until Yuka Sakazaki couldn't fight
0: anymore. The comparison that was made in the chat was to Kata uh, versus Tanahashi from Vessel Kingdom 9, and I don't think you can pay us any higher compliment than that, to be honest. Like, the just incessant legwork, Rika Tatsumi takes a lot of her moveset from her semi-namesake Tatsumi Fujinami, including uh, uh, Dragon Sleeper and and the Dragon Screw, which was her go-to move uh, in this match. And, uh, yeah, for for all that uh, Sakazaki is known as a high flyer, she really didn't have the opportunity to do very much of it. I, I, I always like, and this doesn't happen nearly enough in my opinion, when wrestlers are put over as not only athletically gifted but also smart, and I, and I think this was a, a big reason why uh, a lot of the revivals matches in uh, in NXT are so good, because they put them over as uh, in ring strategists, and then they actually showed it to you. You like they, they you, know, the, you you saw them making good use of space. And, you know, the uh, staying within the rules while bending them to breaking point. Now, it wasn't the sort of thing where you say Alberto Del Rio is a submission specialist and he just like he has one submission and like one move that targets the arm to set up for it. And like that's it. But from the commentary, you'd think he was some like Timothy Thatcher style catch grappler. But George, you
2: know? he was going to go to the Pan American Games, uh, but he didn't <laughs> have the money at the time <laughs> to do it. Like he he he, he was a, a grappling specialist. I mean, he he would have been an Olympian if he wasn't such
0: a massive shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that's what I really loved about uh, about this match was, uh, and uh, you can draw a parallel uh, between this match and her previous title challenge and Machida's match on this show and her previous title challenge, in that they came at the matches with completely different attitudes to what they had in uh, you know years past. Mika Tatsumi was uh someone who was like not an you know just riding on a wave of promotion she was someone who came across as calculated and as focused and you know it it, uh, it really paid off her and I think that's uh, I think that's a really good thing for a promotion to lean into in the sense that you know sometimes you have um, People who you wouldn't necessarily expect. I mean, I, I, okay, I, I kind of did see this title change coming, but like people who are, have not been established at this main event level winning a belt in other promotions that would probably be portrayed as um, some sort of fluke. Like in, in a, NXT, recently had this fellow called Leon Ruff, who was absolutely tiny, and he won the belt off of Johnny Gargano in a kind of banana skin uh, finish, and then the rest of the rest of the story was like how, like how the fuck did this little guy win the belt? Like it's basically a matter of time until someone wins it off him, and he's basically just trying to survive. Whereas here, you've got the idea that oh yes, yeah, someone who isn't at the level of their opponent can beat them if they go in with a also Ray Hargill's grease. That's the uh, that's the um, the template that they've uh, they've got here. Like yeah yeah, she can win if she if she goes for it. She targets Yuka's legs and makes it so she can't do her signature stuff. And then, like, yeah, you probably will win. It's not really these fucking like Kotobushi or wall spray matches where their legs worked for like the first twenty-five minutes of the match, and then are suddenly doing sasuke specials to the outside.
1: Absolutely. There's just t- two more points. I, I want to hear what David has to say about this, but but just two two more points. I uh, like because I love this match so much. I feel I just want to, you know, get them off my chest. Uh, one of which is that that I thought the pacing here was just amazing um the way that they um the the way that they moved from spot to spot was like not too fast not too slow there was not there was none of that like kind of you know uh stupid us indie style like like you know quick transitioning where nothing gets chance to sink in
0: Oh but, yeah, I fucking hate that. has got uh, Scottish
2: country dancing wrestling, as I like to call it. It's exactly. just people doing the gay gardens, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, but on the other, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, there's is, is that kind of rock scene thing where it's like one big move and then five minutes of lying down. And I think this this like threaded the needle perfectly for me between making sure every every little spot had enough time to sink in, but also creating this sense of urgency and ferocity with the way that they moved into the next spot. Um, so that was one, one thing I, I wanted to say. The other thing is how beautiful was the finish? You know, that yes. Yuka doesn't, she doesn't tap out. It's a referee stoppage. Um, she doesn't tap out. She's she's still conscious. But it's like there's this moment of understanding between Yuka and the referee where he can see, you know, because he's worked loads of matches with her in. He can see from her demeanor that she she has nothing left to give and she's given up and she doesn't want to fight anymore. And then when he makes the stoppage and the dust settles, she acknowledges that it was the right decision, you know, with with a hug. And it's just, I've never actually seen a finish like that before. You know, we I think we were in the chat, we were uh, sort of speculating that, you know, it's maybe a slightly dusty finish, that it leaves the room open for a rematch. But I don't think that's what they were going for here. We're actually saying that, that yuka it, it, you know the referee was right to stop the match yuka had no, no fight left in it and yeah it was it kind of came totally out of left field but worked really well
0: yeah this submission the, the, that submission spot went on for absolutely ages as well and i think what made it even better was the fact that yuka was so close to the ropes when when she f- finally gave up like because if you look if you've watched enough wrestling like you, you can generally see su- submission uh finishes coming because you've watched enough matches you know the 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 structure and the grammar of the way a match is laid out and uh and so there's there's a distinction between okay they're in the middle of the ring there's nowhere for them to go as opposed to they've been the submission there calling towards the ropes they will probably get to the ropes again this kind of and so you've had a ko finish on the shirt and you've had a referee stoppage finish like again both types of uh, of ending that uh, this company isn't tend to go for very much but yeah you're absolutely right luke i think the um the, yeah the economy of of movement and of structure in this match it went under 20 minutes i i looked at that i was like whoa shit really because they, they packed a lot in but the the fact of the matter is that when you have uh you know a wrestler like yuka Zakazaki who is very known as the enjoy girl the magical girl has this like j-pop on acid uh entrance theme and is uh, essentially some kind of delightful sprite slash slash goblin and then you have uh rika tatsumi who has a kind of you know uh cutie suzuki thing going on with her gear and a lot of her offensive ass attacks and the fact that two wrestlers like this that you can say they had this match and they both came across as fighters is like a great compliment you can pay for it really goes back to what i was saying earlier about that this this company is really more of a traditional wrestling product than than you would think at first glance and i think i think anyone who um he's not reckoning with that has a uh, an, an image of the promotion that is fundamentally rooted in the past and in like quite the distant past at that.
2: One one thing I was going to mention actually, just because like could mentioned about it, I I, I wrote, thought it was really really interesting. There was lots of calls to this match previously, but it wasn't like PR didn't really mention it. So I obviously mentioned about the rope break. You mentioned about how you know you have a tacit understanding of when a, when someone is near the ropes, you're going to get to the ropes, and in the first match on literally a trainee's first ever match, they do a camel clutch spot where they get to the ropes and she immediately pulls it back. And I was like, holy fuck, what the fuck? I just completely confounded that expectation whereby, what the hell, and she pulled it back. So they kind of sowed a seed where you're like, she may be able to pull it. I mean, we saw it in the first match, she's just pulling it back. I know she got to the ropes eventually, but you know what I mean? Like it was a case of, you know, a rope break doesn't necessarily end the hold or whatever. And I think that was kind of running through it. The other thing that I really, really liked with English commentary Again, it's so rare that we actually like hype up English commentary so much. They spent the whole event talking about how this is not our normal referee. This is a referee who referees um, other uh, other sh- bigger shows and stuff like that. Because it was such a big event. You know, it's Tokyo Dome and all that. And like they, they got him in a big special event. They needed a, a referee with Gravitas. And they mentioned that for several matches about how he was an esteemed wrestling referee. And he was someone who was trusted in, to make the right decision on things. And they really hammered this home in like the first and second match the night. And you're like, that's quite at first you're like, that's quite a nice wee touch. You know, they're putting over the referee and talking about how it's a big game. You know, it's a big occasion. They've got somebody in who to, to befit that. And then to pull it around in the main event, whereby you 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 believe it's the right decision because they have spent the whole show telling you this referee is spot on. He makes the right calls. He does all this sort of stuff. He has a gravitas towards him that when he does make that call, it doesn't feel like, oh, that's bullshit. Why has he done that? I, no, it doesn't feel like the It genuinely feels like he's like, hold on, no, I made the call. Like a good boxing ref. Like, you yeah. know, if you ever watch a boxing match and there's a stoppage or whatever, a, you know, they'll stop it and there'll always be a bit of contention going, oh, you know, we know should he have stopped it and stuff like that? In this case, it was a case of everybody knew that it was the right one because they had a trust in the referee that they had inherently built. Throughout the entire show, yeah, which I thought was a really great tool,
0: and isn't it nice to have that as opposed to in Western companies where referees tend to be portrayed as physically infirm morons? Oh, seed
2: sowing. It might not have been intentional. I'm not saying that they're absolute, you know, galaxy brain. The playing 8D chess and put, we'll put, we'll put something in the young lines match, which foreshadows. The if they're not Kenny Omega, do you know what I mean? Like they're not, yeah, they you know, nonsense Jesus like him. But it it was just because of the, the ecosystem of the promotion, like the identity and the philosophy of what you book with, is so entangled with every match that these sort of things happen where things turn up later on that happened before and it's not intentional, but it kind of calls back. And it's a really, really nice touch. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. And like to, the the, the balls to do a referee stoppage and a 10 count knockout on the same show, if you've done that on like a WWE show, for example, Everyone would be screaming bullshit, and it yes. would you would think, oh, it's diluted the first finish or something like that. This didn't dilute the other thing, they were both so independently different from each other that you got away with it. And yeah, yeah. fantastic.
0: And, and I think this was uh, more than anything a show about confounding these expectations, where you you have finishes like that, you have uh, a a Joshi legend getting absolutely knocked out by a twenty-one-year-old rookie um, on the undercard. You know, you you ha- you have all this stuff that. Um, that I I think if you haven't watched, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're not a fan of the company or you gave it a try um a few years ago and it wasn't for you. Like seriously, have a have, have a watch of this show because like I I think that there's people who we watched it with who were were not familiar with the performers especially who had an absolutely great time uh, watching it because like it, it genuinely is excellent in ring and character stuff. Now to say that this is more compelling than than the booking of you know certain other fairly financially stable Joshi companies. Uh, that you might care to name at the moment like it, it really is it really is light and day and that's the the difference between having a roster you know mostly of of homegrown talent who you can see their their progression you know there's a difference between that and here's like eight or nine people we've just signed in the last year care about them it's just a completely a different kettle of fish so um yeah that that was the that was the big january 4th show um we we said we'd do a review of it for you I say the big January 4th. So I understand there were other shows going on that on that day, but uh, they kind of. did Noah yeah, do of, a show? Yeah, Noah, Noah did, and I. Maybe Freedom. Started as um, Star well. Yeah. as well, yeah. It wasn't as big as in previous years. And I think Freedom's might have as well, or some someone like that. But um, I, I can't really think of any anything else. So yeah, we, we've done we've done the big one for you. This is uh, like. Uh, this this is your annual li- cage
1: match. Sorry, George. Diana did and dottenbury Pro did shows. I
0: haven't even heard of the last one, Jesus. Um, so yeah, that that was your our annual lip service to modern wrestling. Uh, like, join us again in 2022 where we uh, did the same thing. So yeah, thank thank you for uh, choosing to spend uh, some of your day with us. We really appreciate it as ever. Um, to uh, finish, let's do some plugs. So uh, Luke, as our, as our guest, would you like to have the honour of going first?
1: Yeah, thank you. So so George already mentioned my, my Substack, uh, which is Um I post monthly roundups of, uh, they're kind of like newsletters uh, with lots of reviews of matches that I've watched that month, not always from that month. So uh, I think the latest installment might have a Kane versus Big Show match from like 2010 or something uh, like that in it um <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i know the one you mean is 2006 but yes the the grappling match
1: the the cane versus big show mat work match so yeah good. vintage um, joshi <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um you can uh yeah go to just a reminder oysters uh, you can find my monthly uh roundup newsletters on there um you can also subscribe for five dollars a month and gain access to the full archive of newsletters and also Uh, the occasional uh, bonus uh, article um, such as the series that I did last month, um, rounding up some of my top five things in wrestling of the year. That substack is also home to my other podcast, which I keep talking about, which is uh, the Miracle Apricot podcast slash uh, the High Speed Wrestling podcast. Um, We did our Christmas special uh, in December, which was just me and uh, Connor watching a load of Undertaker and Kane matches. It's dedicated to matches under 10 minutes in length for the most part. And our next match will be from Ice Ribbon. Uh yeah, also look out uh for this there's something very exciting that's coming coming soon. Um I am involved in a project to uh translate the writings of Lulu Pencil into English and publish them as a manga series. So if you go to uh be at be careful manga. Uh, that's at be careful manga on twitter you will find more information about that project uh as and when it comes
0: okay thank you very much i mean we we put over luke's writing on the uh the podcast often often enough there's a fucking reason for this guys uh it's i
2: I would genuinely say right if you have any sort of vague tangential interest in joshua wrestling want to keep up it is the only resource you need it is I mean, me, me and Luke have obviously been friends for years and I think we both have a common understanding and that we both know exactly what each other's tastes are and we know when people like each other's matches and I, I can firmly say it's basically Segunda Kaida and then Luke in terms of people I trust of opinions on wrestling and nobody else so yeah absolutely if you, if you, if you enjoy Joshi wrestling it is essential.
0: Yeah, even
1: though I don't really review Stardom, uh, <laughs> just that, that, to put that in.
2: That, that, that enough. Arguably even that, more Stardom. essential for that reason.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just it's just good writing at the end of the day. So if if you want to ever watch the match and you you think, oh, I really like that. If you want to know why you liked it <laughs> and how it all fits together, then like, yeah, give give it give it a go. It's really good. And uh, yes, uh, David, what about yourself?
2: I run a party at Thistle podcast called Draw, Loser or Draw. And we interviewed um, manager Gary Caldwell last week. Now, if you don't know football or Thistle or anything like that, you may not understand the significance. Gary Caldwell is probably the most hated man of the last 20 years at Thistle, with possibly the exception of Dick Campbell. But even then, I would say that people would probably take Dick Campbell for Gary Caldwell, which is saying something. We interviewed him last over Christmas. Um, just about all the um, horrid, horrid things. I know he doesn't listen to this, so I can say this much like how Matt posted on his personal Facebook that he talked to him about how he ruined Patrick Fistle, but didn't put it in the Twitter because he's a massive coward. Um, <laughs> the last time a Fistle fan interviewed Gary Caldwell, the BBC switchboard was inundated with people pleading them to stop because it was the most excruciating audio they'd ever heard in their life. So, you know... Uh, a high bar to go against. But it was a very fun chat. It was a big coup. And in all honesty, it was incredible. They actually said it's, it's yes. It's a, a no bigger chats. coup than
0: the one that happened in Washington recently. Yes, uh. a bigger coup than that and more successful. Um, <laughs> but, I, I um, can't believe you got uh, Gary Caldwell. And I, I was just like, fuck, 6,000 jokes about the IRA. And this is going to be what gets us cancelled.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we it's divided opinion. A lot of people are sensibles. The sensibles that are back in power. Um, They have said it's a a balanced interview. We basically asked him the questions and let him say whatever he wanted to let him hang himself, basically. Because... We knew that if we, we started challenging them and stuff, it would just, just become that episode, that uh, Vince Russo podcast where you got R.T. Reynolds from the death of WCW on. And he just shouted at each other for two hours <laughs> and 15 minutes. So we, we were very polite and kind, but we go into a lot of detail about the reasons why he basically ruined the club I love without breaking down, which I think is a feat. As well as that, I was on a Ukrainian football podcast. They're doing a series on Scottish football clubs. Me and Matt done one about Party Fistle. I would probably recommend that if you don't really have any sort of knowledge about the club because it's very much a what is party fistle? Who are they and how can we stop them? Um as opposed to talk, sort of talking about news and stuff like that. I would definitely suggest that it's a it's a very good lesson, it's very funny, and um it's uh, that is it's a podcast called Shoot the Defense. Um you can also find that at Ukerfoot24, UKRFUT24, I'm a big fan of his as it was anyway, so I was really excited to be on. Uh, but yeah, me and Matt done a podcast. I think would be very good if you, if you have even the most tangential um, interest in football. That's definitely a good starting place because it gives you an insight into how the club is run, who, why we support them. And just all the general nonsense without getting into, oh, Zach Gordon got sent off. And, oh, Brian Graham might be out for two weeks. Yeah, I know you don't care about that. So, um, yeah, that as well as that, you can get my nascent music. I've not done anything in ages. Uh, fastbook.bandcamp.com, where my project, Abdullah Kobayashi, as well as lots of weird ones. Basically, anything communist-based is probably me that did it. It's a good rule of thumb. And uh, so it as at BullyXandXWaddle.bandcamp.com. I'm putting out a new album, which is I have a, a long-running joke that um, I, whenever I go to big stadiums, I record avant-garde noise tracks and I'm having a piss or whatever, and then putting them out as live albums to say I've performed at Wembley Arena and stuff like that. So I've done it at the Royal Albert Hall and stuff. But very soon, I'm putting out live at Budokan, because I went to the Budokan when I was in Japan, as well as live at Tokyo Dome. Carrickan and Sumo Hall, um, as like as like a thing. So that's a tangential wrestling thing that I think you would enjoy. But I can now say I've released an album live from the Budokan. Yes, it was me sitting outside in the bench because it was short for repairs. That's not the point. I was at the Budokan, um, and did a live album there. But yeah, so uh, fastwork.bandcamp.com, com, draw loser draw, and shoot the defense podcast about party Thistle
0: Okay, um, my plugs, uh, the, the the first thing, and you're no doubt uh, sick of me plugging this by now, but uh, plug it I shall, is a novel called The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan, uh, which is about uh, um, the titular Ricky Dozan, the biggest pro wrestling star in the history of Japan. He was uh, doing his thing in the uh, late 50s and early 60s, and he became a huge TV star because he really tapped into the idea that after defeating the Second World War, Japanese people might want to see a uh, a guy from their country beating the be evil Americans in a uh, simulated fight and he became an in- incredibly rich and powerful person because of this and then got involved with some completely legitimate businessmen and uh, so it's it's essentially a novel about wrestling as a cultural phenomenon times. it's about wrestling but it's not really about wrestling. Um, if you don't know the, the first thing about Japanese wrestling of that era or Japanese wrestling Uh, in general or even wrestling in general, although I will question what you're doing listening to this podcast and certainly listening to it to this point. If you don't, um, you don't don't, don't have to worry. I've written it so that uh, if you don't have any knowledge of wrestling whatsoever, you can still understand and enjoy it. Uh, Everything is explained. Uh, Yeah, people seem to have uh, enjoyed it. I've got uh, nothing but five-star reviews and the odd, like, uh, four-star, but uh, including uh, one one guy from uh, America who said that uh, he... uh, was uh, a bit of a bit of a aficionado of Mickey and the JWA and was uh, really impressed with the novel and uh, especially that uh, the, there wasn't much historical license uh, taken I was like I fucking did but uh, thanks <laughs> so um, yeah be on the lookout for that you can get it for your Kindle for £2.49 or you can get a really lovely uh, print-on-demand paperback for uh, £14.99 it's Delivers to about a uh, dozen countries, the paperback version. If you're outside those countries, you may have to pay a shitload for shipping, depending on your local rates. Uh, but I would still say it'd be worth it. I make fuck all money off of this. Uh, by the way, I certainly didn't write niche novels about pro wrestling in Japan to become uh, to become extraordinarily wealthy. So uh, do check that out. Uh, other things to plug uh, are Twitter, at Puro Podcast. Uh, you can find our wrestling takes and uh, generalised shitposting on there. So, More uh, you-
2: followers than the president of the United States.
0: <laughs> now, who's got the last laugh? Confirmed uh, metrics. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, look out for us uh, on there, and also writings by uh, us—the uh, three of us actually—Luke's doing some stuff uh, there as well at i maintain the double foot dot com, which is a uh, website about uh, you know, various aspects of um, of pro wrestling. My most recent piece was about. Uh, how WWE's Christmas wrestling content is quite crap now, and how this mirrors the uh, the decline in how the rest of their content is quite crap now. Um, sort of counterposing Christmas-themed death matches from 2012 and 2016. which was just an idea I had while I was off work because I had uh, nothing else uh, better to do. So uh, do look out for that. Uh, and uh, David and Luke have also written some uh, good stuff for that website as well. Uh, this is also quite a new thing. I've got a Twitch channel. Uh, I can't believe it's taken me this long into the pandemic to get one sorted. But uh, you can follow me at twitch.tv forward slash Lord Tenpai. That is L-O-R-D-T-E-N-P-A-I. Um, it is a Twitch channel all about the great game of Mahjong, which I uh, recently uh, got into. It's pretty much what it says on the tin. I play some Mahjong online and stream it. You know, I, I explain all about the game and take you through my moves as I'm making them. And just we just have a have a, have a bit of a laugh in the chat as well. And uh, yeah, so that, that's essentially all it is. I don't need to explain it uh, too much more than that. But yeah, do give that a look. So that's uh, twitch.tv forward slash uh, Other than that, I think that is uh, about... Oh, one to- other plug I was going to uh, say.
2: Um, you should, As well as uh, if you are a fan of the podcast, you should check our new Parlour page. This came out where we really talk about the things that are really on our mind that we don't post on Twitter because of those woke Stazzy PC EU nanny
0: states SJWs holding us down. <laughs> So uh, that that is uh, Parler um, forward slash uh, podcast 1488. So do give us a uh, do give us a uh, look on that. And uh, apart from that, just you can find our episodes on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And also check out our sister podcast, uh, Big Egg Podcasting Universe. We've got more episodes coming for you in the new year. It's a deep dive into the famous Big Egg Wrestling Universe Tokyo Dome show in 1994 with uh, our, our good friend Sarah Parkin and um yeah that that uh, that's that's a really nice thing we've been doing it's like a really uh hashtag forensic uh dive into the show like we even cover the weird uh, amateur wrestling and shootboxing boxing and indian children grappling exhibitions on the card like like no stone is left unturned so do check that out and uh, so with that in mind i am uh, signing off thank you very much to luke and david i've been uh, george thompson and uh, thank you for listening to our january the fourth special So did 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 you guys actually watch the New Japan show? No. David, did you watch it?
2: I mean, I mean, it was on when I was at work.
0: What 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 do you think? Who fucking
2: cares?